Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi everyone, welcome to Hewlett Home, I'm Tracy Koga. Today we'll have two very special guests from One Just City. This organization began in 2015 and it serves three different communities right here in the streets of Winnipeg. But it's more than just putting food on the table, it's giving people that come through their doors a sense of community and hope. I'll be speaking to the Executive Director, Glynis Quinn, and Community Facilitator, Josh Ward. We'll hear more on how One Just City is making a difference. This is Hugh at Home. I want to give a warm welcome to Hugh at Home to my guests, Glynis and Josh from One Just City. And One Just City, not only is the name so familiar and, and so recognizable, but it's also the work that this organization has done for so, so many years. So um, I'm going to go with you, Glynis. Um, just a, a brief history on One Just City and the community that it serves. Sure. Thanks for having us. One Just City came into being in, in 2015, but prior to that, it was actually called One Hope Winnipeg. And when we went for the name to become our official name, we understood that someone else had it. And so at that point, the executive director thought, what better way to describe what we do as one just city, because we are actually working towards a city where all are cared for, all have enough to eat, a place where people can belong and feel loved. And that would be a just one just city. Oh, so, so well put. And, and Josh, your title is community facilitator. What does that entail? And, and I guess your involvement with One Just City. So basically I manage one of One Just City's three daytime outreach sites. And so my job is to facilitate community there to make sure that our outreach site is not only providing the basic needs, you know, food and, and a place out of the cold, a cup of coffee, but also making sure that it's welcoming and hospitable um, and a safe place for people to be. A place where people can find community, people who often don't have community to count on anywhere else in their lives. And Glennis, now what, I guess, what is what are the parameters of the community? How far is the outreach for One Just City? Well, we're in three areas. We're in the West End, we're in West Broadway, and we're in Osborne Village. Now we say that, but of course people come to see us from all over the city. We've certainly had people who have lived in our neighborhoods before, have created community with the people in those sites, and they still come and they still enjoy seeing their friends and the volunteers and the staff at our sites as well. And so both of you said the word safe. And 
we have heard that word safe and inclusive so much now in the last couple of years. Um, it has always been at the forefront and always so important for One Just City, but now it is truly very, very important. And I guess uh, your thoughts and comments on how you've seen this and how One Just City has really grown to become that place where everybody can feel safe. Josh, first. It's just so important to us. Every day we have people coming and saying, you know, this horrible thing happened to me on the street last night or this horrible thing happened in the rooming house where I live last night and I just don't get a moment's peace anywhere except for here. Um, and so it's really important to us that, you know, we have uh, a well-trained and, you know, dedicated team of volunteers and staff who work really hard actually every day to make sure that when someone comes in for their cup of, a cup of coffee and a sandwich, they're also in a place where they can find a bit of respite from everything that's going on, the, the whirlwind uh, of madness outside, right? Mm -hmm. So that for a little bit, they can just come inside and, and chill out uh, and hang out with people that they care about and people that they that care about them, people that know them by name. Uh, I've said before that on a, on a good day, you know, when things are, are calm, it almost feels like we're running a social club, you know? Oh, and that's so good. You know, just to see yeah. smiles on people's faces, you know that you've made a difference. Glynis, now, I mean, volunteers, they are the heart and soul of any organization, but then so important to One Just City, right? They absolutely are the, the heart and soul of what we do at One Just City. During COVID, we had volunteers that stepped up because so many of our volunteers had to step back because you can imagine that many of our volunteers are in the retirement years and some of them, we have some volunteers who are actually, we're actually 94 years old and wow. still coming every week to provide care and love to our guests. So volunteers are the heart and soul of what we do. When I look around and see just how competent our volunteers are and how caring and how much they want to be there, uh, I am just overwhelmed at times in terms of their commitment. And I guess, Josh and Glynis, you can you can join in this conversation too. How has, I guess, the demographic or the people that come to One Just City, uh, you know, you had mentioned that started in 2015. I'm sure now in 2022, the faces that come into One Just City are looking a lot different or have they changed? I would say there's still a core group of people who come to each one of our sites for community and they come there to engage in activities with other people but all of our sites have a number of people who come perhaps once or twice or three times a month not necessarily every day so we see probably around 1500 people um different people unique people a month at one just city and um, there would be, of course, a core mm -hmm. of probably maybe 400 people, Josh, you think? Yeah, that seems like yeah. a fair guess to me. Yeah, about 400 people might be the core. Uh, and I mean, th that doesn't sound like a lot of people, but it is a lot of people. And homelessness is, you know, a growing situation too as well. So for you, Josh, um, you know, even in these past couple of years because of COVID, because of isolation, Things have escalated too, right, for the homeless. Yeah, we've seen uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were seeing twice the numbers at our door than what we saw 
before the pandemic. And, and new faces too, right? People who maybe weren't on the streets yet, um, but were showing up and saying, listen, I lost my job or, or just things are already tenuous and now the whole world's gone, gone mad and I don't know where the heck I stand. Uh, I've never had to use a food bank before, but here I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of that. Um, and and some of those people have have you know returned to their their life as they knew it before, and and others are still are still with us. Yes, so. and Glennis too. Mental health and wellness is really at the forefront. Um, you know, I mean, for people like ourselves that have like a home and shelter and and food, I mean, it's one thing. But for people that are out on the streets, I mean, it's a crisis situation. You're right, and even people who aren't out in the streets but might be in a boarding house or some other kind of communal living space or even in their own bachelor apartment, because those people suffered from isolation during the pandemic, and they were the ones who we really did worry about because they didn't have a place to go for that connection. Mm -hmm. They might not have the family connections. They might not have the community connections other than what they get at Oak Oak Table at West Broadway and at West End. And so we were really very concerned. We were sending art kits home with people. We were sending activities home with people. We were trying to reach out to them through electronic means any way we could in order to keep them connected because it's lack of connection that can really create um, mental health issues for people. Yes, no, no doubt. Uh, Josh, in your own mind or, or, you know, in your own words, what are some of the things that you've learned, especially through the pandemic? And because, I mean, it is, it has been unprecedented times for all of us and a, a huge learning curve. What have you learned or observations that you've seen at One Just City? Just the, the absolute value of, of relationship. You know, I think I knew this even before the pandemic, but I, I feel that I can say it with even more, um, with even more truth, more, even more power now. Um, uh, you know, relationship stands up at the core of all that we do. Like, yes, people need to eat. Yes, they need to get out of the cold. These are, are, are things, but the real transformation comes when people are able to, um, you know, know that there's somebody out there who cares about them and who calls them by name and is going to check up on them the next day and say, hey, how did that go? Or, you know, yesterday you're having a rough day. How are you feeling today? Um, and I think during the pandemic, you know, all of us, even even those of us who are, are lucky enough to have, you know, support networks and, and family and, and whatnot, we all got a little bit of a taste of that isolation, right? And it didn't feel good. Um, and we're working with people who that's been their whole life, maybe. So... Yeah, we've all got it. we've all seen just how important this is. No, oh. and we all we all want to help. Um, Glennis, how has the community stepped up, or ha- or have we done enough to step up and help organizations like One Just City? The community has stepped up. The community has stepped up, giving us volunteers when the pandemic hit. About. We pretty much all of our volunteers stepped back and then some stepped back in, realizing that that they could because of our safety precautions. But we really have a lot of volunteers who came more than once a week, once, twice, three times a week in order to support us. And of course, as soon as COVID hit, people suddenly realized 
well, if this is impacting me, it's impacting people on the street and it's impacting other people as well. And so there were donations that were set aside there for COVID. I would think that um, as we get back to normal, that's one of the things that kind of falls away. People forget then about the people who have been hungry this whole time, who have been in need this whole time. And so that's something that we have to remind people of is life is not back to normal yet, particularly with the increase that we've all seen and experienced in food costs. Mm -hmm. So more people are requiring food than we've ever seen before. And not only the lunch or supper that we have each day, but supplemental food kits, emergency food as well. Oh, so there's still a growing need. Well, don't go away because I'm going to continue the conversation with Glynis and Josh as we move forward. So what does One Just City look like in the future? What are some of the goals and aspirations towards a better community and how we can help support? So don't go away. There's still lots more to have the conversation over One Just City. But during the break, uh, I am very happy to announce that we are going to premiere another new show right here on Hugh, Hugh Spotlight, that shines a light on all of our talented musicians and artists here in the community. And my very first guest is making her debut on the Hugh Spotlight. That will be Anna Lou. But right now we have a brand new video, an animated video, about Carnival, her latest single. So don't go away. That's coming up. And you're watching you at home. Ay, 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 mi corazón, vasejita de arcilla, chueca y agrietada por los golpes, cuando al alma le falta comida, al recién sabe un
ponerse a ese grito City's hottest event is happening on Saturday, April 23rd at the beautiful downtown Metropolitan Entertainment Center. It is the fifth annual Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards. This year we're changing it up. We're going to recognize and honor all those who have pivoted, made a difference, supported others, and above all, found success during the pandemic. Go to the website wnla.ca and nominate now. Nominations close February 21st and then the voting begins. Who's going to win? Well, we'll soon find out and we'll see you at the show. Welcome back to Hewitt Home. We are with two wonderful people from One Just City. I've got Glynis, she's the Executive Director, and Josh, he is the Community Facilitator. And we were talking definitely about the history and what One Just City does and the community it serves and everything that you have pivoted and done through the pandemic. So let's just say the pandemic is over <laughs> and moving forward. Yay! <laughs> I won't forget about all the snow, but the future for One Just City. And obviously, right, the ultimate goal is to make the community in need grows smaller and smaller and smaller. But right now we're kind of looking at it, the community getting larger and larger. So yes. Glynis, um, what are future plans for One Just City? And we can go on, you know, programs and fundraisers and how the community can pitch in more. You had mentioned previously before, yes, the rising food costs. So food is critical. Certainly. 
One of the things is that there really is no future because we have to pivot so quickly in the work that we do. Needs arise and we have to find a way to try and meet them. And that's just the reality of every day at, at all of our sites. But one of the things that we're recognizing is that we had some gaps in service and we're starting to look at plugging those. Josh's site um, was closed on Wednesdays and over the last three weeks, I believe, Josh, it is now open on Wednesdays. Oak Table used to be closed on Fridays and starting last July, it started to open on Fridays and we're doing the same thing with West Broadway in the next two weeks. So that's one of the ways that we're responding to, to the community is to expand our hours. Also at the McGee site, the West End site, we have weekend programming as well. So we're looking at the gaps in our programming, trying to plug those gaps, recognizing that when people don't have things that are meaningful to do, that often they turn to other things to do like substance abuse and that kind of thing. And we really wanna give them as much connection with community as we possibly can. So this summer, our intent is to look at some evening programs for people. Oh. The summer nights are long and certainly um, where all the rest of us can go to festivals and, and meet with our friends for dinner or drinks or whatever, that's not open to our guests. And so we're looking at injecting some invitational kinds of things where people will really want to come out and participate in the evening. So that's important. But of course, on a, on a roots level, in terms of growing one of our pillars, working, to recon working towards reconciliation is a big thing and our Indigenous cultural program. And perhaps I can pass that over to Josh since he works very closely and has worked very closely in that area over the last number of years. Oh yes, Josh, please fill us in. Yeah, thanks. Um, so if you look at the, at the demographic of any one Just City site, um, there's a huge percentage at, at the West End site where I work, you know, 60, 70% on any given day of the people coming through the doors are Indigenous. Right, and and we all know quite well that's that's no failing of, of Indigenous people personally. It's rather it's a direct result of you know trauma and oppression in history, and that continues today. And so you you look at this and you go, well, if we are not addressing this in a really real way, then all we're really doing is perpetuating poverty. Right, we're stringing people along. Here's your sandwich and your coffee. Come back tomorrow, and we'll see you for that again. Right. So we we have to do more. To address this this like so obvious need, right? One Just City is also is not a is not a uh, explicitly Christian organization, but it has roots in the Christian Church, and so we recognize our uh, you know, historical complicity in this as well, right? So all this to say, that we made this one of the pillars of our organization, working towards reconciliation, uh, and what that has looked like is ensuring that there is. Uh, you know, visible and meaningful Indigenous leadership at all of our sites. Um, you know, I think I'm a fine guy, but but at the end of the day, you know, an Indigenous person in, in leadership at our site can connect with some people in a different way than I can, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's so important that they can sit and talk with someone who, um, you know, has, has lived and and, uh, and experienced some of that trauma, but be it personally or, or intergenerationally. Uh, we also work really hard. I've talked a lot about relationship. Um, and reconciliation is something that doesn't happen without relationship, 
right? It's not something you can do at a distance. You can't read a couple books about it and say, oh, I'm reconciled now. Um, you have to meet face to face. And so this has been difficult during the pandemic, of course, but we've worked to provide opportunities for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people to come together in programming and in social events, uh, just to, to be together, right? And to learn about each other and start breaking down some of those barriers. Um, one of the most fun ways that we did that in the last year was at our uh, powwow demonstration last August. Mm -hmm. This is an event we've done for the past few years and uh, it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. Um, we hosted it in West Broadway this year and we had uh, dancers and drummers and Indigenous and non-Indigenous people all out for, you know, for an afternoon to learn about the celebration, see the dancing and just enjoy, you know, a nice summer afternoon together. And then through the winter, we've actually been working with people in our West End community, uh, caregivers and their children. Uh, and we provide them with supplies and the materials and uh, the instruction on how to build their own powwow regalia for their children. Uh, and so we're going to be featuring those children in our powwow demonstration this summer, summer 2022. And so these children and their caregivers have been working with knowledge keepers and with our staff and um, um, just to learn all about this, you know, reconnect with their own culture that in some other cases they've just never had a chance to, right? It was robbed from them. Um, and so um, there's there's lots going on in our Indigenous cultural program, and that's that's the things on the top of my head. But to me, it, it is the most important work that we're doing, for sure. And how are you doing anything uh, you had mentioned to the elders, uh, sharing circles and getting the you know, elders to share their experiences? And then, of course, working with the youth. I'm sure that's been going on, too, as well. Absolutely. There's a, a, there's a wide variety of programming going on as part of our Indigenous cultural program, and that includes uh, sharing circles, men's wellness groups. We have a sacred fire a couple of days a week. We have uh, language instruction. We're looking at starting a drum group. Well, we're more than looking at it. We'll be starting in the, in the imminent future. Um, and they're building the drums first. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this must be heartwarming, though, too. I, I see, you know, Josh, you know, you're almost getting a little emotional. I am, too, mm -hmm. just um, because you can see you can see the difference, right, that these programs are making and the progress yeah. that you see in the people that are coming. Mm -hmm. uh, this, uh, this powwow regalia group, for instance, is one they meet on Friday mornings at our West End site. They've been off for a couple of months because of the Omicron wave, but they're going to be getting back at it soon. Um, and that, that really is moving to see that group because you've got, um, um, you know, mothers or grandmothers working with their kids, grandkids, um, and um, they, in a lot of cases, have never had a chance to interact with this, right? Because they went to residential school or day school or, or maybe their parents or grandparents did and never had the skills to teach them about this. And uh, just to see them all in that room and, and they're working together and, uh, you know, one of the fun things is we've got a lot of... Um, non-Indigenous people, uh, who, well, not, we've got a handful of non-Indigenous people who are bringing their sewing skills, right, and their sewing machines, uh, so they can work side by side with these Indigenous people to make to make the powwow regalia. And so just to see them sitting and having conversations, like that's reconciliation, sorry, that's reconciliation in action, right? Mm -hmm. so they're sitting side by side, sharing their skills, learning about each other. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. Wow, oh, amazing. I can hardly wait to see that powwow this summer. And Glynis, though, I mean, all of these wonderful programs and you and I know and keeping the lights on and keeping the water going and a staff, it all takes money, right? 
So I'm sure there must be some fundraisers or anything that the rest of us can kind of contribute to. Well, right now we're in the midst of one. We're in the midst of Beat the Cold, and that's the uh, triath. It was the triathlon event that was to um, support Jaws, the Just a Warm Sleep program, and that needed to change to a, a virtual event this year, as so many did. So many of our fundraisers have had to go virtual, and there's certainly been a, a decrease in the amount of money that one can get from a fundraiser when it does go virtual. Our garden tour was quite um, successful last summer, and this year we're hoping for a, an in-person <laughs> one. That's what we're planning for. Um, Oak Table had planned their 40th anniversary celebration, and then COVID hit. All the plans had been made, all the deposits had been made, and that had to be put on hold. And so it's been doing a lot of little online um, sort of fundraisers. And, you know, we're looking at the future and knowing that we have to engage in more fundraisers. And we have lots of stuff. We have lots <laughs> of food donated to us. But oftentimes, to be realistic, it really is if someone can... Um, write a check. That's one of the best things that they can do because then we can use it where we need it. And I'll tell you an example of that. Um, for the last two years, we've been able to partner with a manufacturer to buy underwear at cost. And I'm talking about very substantial good underwear that would, would cost $30, $35 in store, but we've been able to get it for between two and $5 a pair. And the difference between that underwear and the underwear that we can buy in one of our stores, you know, one of our um, lower cost stores is significant. These can be washed and washed and washed. They don't lose their shape. They don't lose their elastic. So sometimes we can do that with gloves. We can do that with socks. We can do that with underwear. And so sometimes just the money is so helpful. And also we need to recognize that in order to hand out those stock socks, in order to hand out those lunches, we need staff to coordinate it all. If we didn't have the people like Josh in our sites, um, they, they really couldn't operate. Even though our volunteers are wonderful, they didn't retire in order to run an operation. No. Uh, so once again, Glennis, can you give us the website? So yes, if we want to write that check www.onejustcity.ca. It's very easy, and there's all kinds of ways to give right on site. Oh, well, I want to thank you, Glennis and Josh. I guess uh, I'll give you the last word. The joy about working and being part of One Just City for you. Just absolutely being able to see people I care about every day, right? Uh, I'm excited to go to work. Uh, every morning and, and check in with, with folks that I care about and see how they're doing and, uh, and just spend the day with them, right? Um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that I get to do that and that I get to see the transformation that uh, is you know, building in people's lives. Oh, well, thank you so much. Glynis, Josh, One Just City, they're doing miracles, I'd say, in our city. Thank you for all the work that you do. And come on, everybody, they need our support. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> so the Hive is a climbing and fitness facility. So we're bouldering only, which means no ropes or harnesses. We use mats for protection. The four pillars of our business are climbing, education, 
health and wellness and community and those aspects all kind of come together to create like a five-star climbing experience. We want to give a big thank you to all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Have you ever donated to a charity and why? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you could message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.